Welcome to Upward Dogology, where I retrain your brain and introduce you to the world of cognitive behavioral therapy for dogs over the age of six months. Season four is all about recognizing people and organizations that help dogs and the people who help them. This episode is super cool because it is not only dogs that our guest, Dr. Jeff Beyer, helps, but a wide variety of animals. Jeff has been a veterinarian for 30 years, and he is a vet at Planned Pethood International, which is an organization promoting spay and neuter and helping people who are not able to financially provide for their pet. And he is also a veterinarian for Birds of Prey Foundation. Jeff is a big believer in learning from animals, which leads me to my snippet piece, which I recorded before recording this interview, but ironically is on how my best teachers have been dogs and surprisingly, as it may sound, my clients. Hello, I'm Billy Groom, your host and successful dogologist for three decades. And again, I have with me today, David L. Helsel. Hey, David. Hey, Billy. Thanks for having me again. Thanks for being my co-host. So today, yeah, we're talking with Jeff from Planned Pet Herd International. Hey, Jeff, how's it going? Oh, it's going well today. How, how about you guys? Great. Great. Good. So do you want to let us know? We'll hop right into it. Uh, well, first of all, where are you? You're in uh, Colorado. I'm in, I'm in lovely Mountain View, Colorado. Wow, that's awesome. And how's your weather there today? Uh, it's been great. Um, you know, we got a nice cool spell after um, something like 20 days of 95 plus. So oh, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's, that's nice. Must be nice for the, for the dogs, too, a little bit cooler. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> right yeah, on. my dogs will actually go outside now. Right. Do you still have <laughs> your uh, foster dog? You had a foster there for a while. Um, no, I. Uh, well, my I, my foster dog is back. Um, okay. She she has a home, um, but uh, her owner went camping for uh, for the week. So so we have have Bailey back for this week. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> Good for you. That's nice. Yep. So uh, tell us then, Jeff, what is uh, Planned Pethood International? Planned Pethood International is um, a, a veterinary hospital that started in, in Denver. We now have locations in, in Mexico as well. But we do primarily spay-neuter. We do general surgery, orthopedic surgery. Um, <clears throat> we function as a, a triage center for wildlife rehabilitators, and we also are a small um, animal shelter as well. <laughs> wow. Okay, so yeah, there's quite a lot going on there. And this is uh, all volunteer? Uh, no, I actually get paid to go work there. You so, do? Okay. Yeah, yeah we're, a, we're a not-for-profit, but um, yeah, I mean, we, uh, we all get salaries. Right, you get salaries, but it's a not-for-profit. And the reason it's a not-for-profit yeah. is because a lot of the animals that you're helping aren't attached to people that can pay? Um, exactly, yeah. Um, we were a for-profit hospital until a year and a half ago. Um, but by going non-for-profit, then we, it gives us the ability to do fundraising to help um, a lot of our clients out. I mean, we are primarily a low-cost facility. Um, we don't 
uh, discriminate against people that have money, but um, you know the <laughs> the majority of the people that we serve um, have issues with with money, and so this allows us to fundraise to to help them out. Oh, very good. That's interesting. That's great. Yeah. Um, are there locations, or you have foster homes? We we have some room in the hospital to take care of the animals that uh, are relinquished to us, but we do have a, a good foster network as well. Great. That's great. So the veterinarians then, they, they learn their skills. They, they come out of vet school and then they have all the skills they need or... Do does uh, Planned Pet Herd International help them with that those skills? Um, we do um, function as a, a teaching facility as well, okay. um, and we do a lot more of the teaching at our our uh, facility down in Mexico, okay. uh, primarily because of you know legal issues. Um, here we have we have students. It's easier if we have students from the U.S. come in. Mm-hmm. Um, we can super, you know, we just need to supervise them. If uh, we have a, a licensed veterinarian from another country come, we actually have to stand at the table with gloves on. Right. Wow. Yeah. yeah. David and I actually visited that, uh, the International Training Center in uh, Puerto Morelos. And wow, it is just, it's impressive and fantastic. And some of the dogs that we grabbed off the street there, or we were with uh, Mateo, of Riviera rescue and, and went in there and it was just a really impressive location. Yeah. It was state of the art. It was beautiful. Oh, thank you. It's a, it's a really nice facility. Um, yeah. And it's set up, uh, to do training. We have, there are, um, apartments for students, veterinarians to stay in, um, while they're training and, uh, yeah, it makes it, it makes it really nice. Yeah. That's Uh, fantastic. That's uh, that got started because uh, Jeff Young, who started Planned Pethood, has traditionally. I mean, he's he likes Mexico. That's where he wants to retire. Okay. Um, but um, he's done. He does a couple of trips a year down to Mexico to do spay neuter events, and uh, he's got a lot of friends in the spay neuter community that come down and and do workcations, and you know they try and get about three thousand animals a week spayed or neutered. Did you say, say that number again? They, they shoot for 3,000 a week. Wow. A week. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. That's got to make a, a difference. I've said in other um, interviews that David and I have done spay and neuter clinics down there. And sometimes you can just get an enormous amount through. But I think our biggest one was 1,100 a week. A week. In, Tulum, yeah. in the Tulum one, yeah. That's that's a, that's a great number. So yeah, you know, thanks. I mean, you know, it's it takes, hard work. <laughs> it's hard work, and it takes a lot of people to. to it does. To make yeah, that it was incredible how all these people volunteered and came together and and did it over a whole week. It was it was a great yeah. experience. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, so that's, your main mission then. Our main mission is to spay and neuter. It's actually part of our clinic policy. Um, any animal that comes to us that's going to be hospitalized or uh, sedated while it's there, if it's still intact, it will be spayed or neutered before it goes home. Good for you. Oh, great. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you're welcome to to set your own rules on that because otherwise you're just part of a revolving door if you send those dogs back out there. Oh yeah, no, it's um, yeah, it's been hospital policy since the the day the doors open. Awesome, that's really and good. Like you said when we spoke earlier, it's your lemonade stand, your rules. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not forcing people to bring their dogs or or any animal there, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Jeff, you also have a passion for wildlife rehabilitation and spend your spare time. <laughs> <laughs> All that yeah. spare time you have. At, the, uh, at three locations around Denver. Can you um, tell us what this organization does? Yeah, no, this is uh, actually, I, I'm, I do vet work for three different wildlife rehabilitation centers in, in the Denver metro area. Um, Greenwood Wildlife Rehabilitation Center. Um, Sunflower Ranch Wildlife Rehabilitation Center in Brighton. And then I also help out Wild Bird uh, Rehab and Rescue in Inglewood. And just out of curiosity, what other wild animals do you come across when you do this? Well, primarily, you know, the, the bulk of it is squirrels and raccoons. Um, mm-hmm. And But we, you know, Wild Bird takes care of songbirds. Um, and uh, so, so just about anything can come in. Um, in fact, we had a muskrat come in this week. <laughs> um, you know, so far we haven't gotten any of the, the bigger animals that Colorado has, but, but that's okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's keeping it, uh, keeping it safe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I really don't have a cage for a mountain lion or a black yeah, bear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. Can you, how can listeners help plan pet, pethood international? Well, uh, as I said, we are a nonprofit, so we do, you can, anybody can donate. We're, hey. um, just getting our, our, our fundraising programs, uh, underway. Um, my right. wife, Margie is, is our new development director. She's been in place for six weeks now. Good. And, awesome. uh, so you know, she's putting together lots of different programs, working on, on grants. Um, and I'll send you a link to that, uh, you know, people can donate to. Okay. And that link will be in the show notes and on my website. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you and very then, much. Uh, when they go, if people do happen to head on down to the Puerto Morales area in Mexico, is there anything they can do there? Or if they happen to be in Denver, are there any other ways that they can help out? Well, we, we do take volunteers. Um, it may not be the easiest thing for somebody that's just making a, having a vacation out here, but, right. um, you know, anybody that wants to pitch in, I'm sure we can find, find something for them to do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you said also that you have fosters. So for the people living in that area, fosters are always, they're always in need. Yeah, we, we can always use good fosters and uh, we don't mind if they fail. Yeah, <laughs> they all term the foster fail and they end up adopting. Exactly. I see you didn't do that with your last foster. Good for you. Yeah. Although you do, you do get a little bit of a cheat sheet with having that foster back this week. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, I've got three dogs, two cats and two tortoises. So I've got enough stuff to do. At home. Yeah. Yeah. I see a lot of the posts about the, uh, the turtles and tortoises on your, on your Facebook. That's an interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. Well, you know, I'm a, a past president of the Association of Reptilian and Amphibian Veterinarians, so oh, reptiles wow. have a special place for me. Oh, wow. wow, good for oh, you. Cool. 
I yeah. I used to have an axolotl. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah. They're very cool. Yeah, they're pretty they're pretty rare and they're just I I love my little <laughs> axolotl actually. David came up with the name of Kickstart because when I got him, he had no legs because the, <laughs> the legs get, well, you probably know all about that, how they, they lose their, their legs, I guess, as his siblings was eating off because they're um, cannibalistic when they're, they're puppies, I guess. I, well, they can be, I mean, yeah. opportunity. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they, you know, axolotls do let them grow back. So. Yep. They yeah. grew back and he was a great oh, little yeah. guy. Kickstart. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Okay, and this brings us to our tail end question. Jeff, can you tell can you share with us something you've learned from a dog or dogs that has been inspirational or life-changing for you or any animal for that matter? Yeah. Oh, well, it's hard to say how much I've learned from animals. I mean, I've been a veterinarian for basically 30 years now. Uh and uh, you know, I learn something from from every animal, from, you know, I try and learn something from everybody that I meet because everybody has different experiences, different, uh, you know, different viewpoints. So I try and sure. incorporate all those things into, you know, how I go about my day-to-day -day business. Good for you. Well put. Yeah, that is well put. Yeah. 30 years is a, is a good chunk of time. And we certainly do learn a lot from animals. Thank you so much for your time. Jeff. And thanks for what you do. Yeah, thanks for what you do. You're real it's encouraging. You're really inspirational to the animal world for sure. Thanks so much. Well, thank you and thanks for having me on. Okay, take Our care. Pleasure. Bye. Bye. Have a good day. Thanks to Jeff for all the great volunteer work he does for Planned Pethood International and for the wildlife rehabilitation. Thanks to David L. Helsall. I hope you listeners out there are enjoying these episodes. We certainly are, and we learn a lot from them. It's amazing how much we can learn from unexpected sources and pieces of information. When I started working with dogs, I didn't wake up and say, hey, I want to be a dog trainer, and then take a course and claim myself a dog trainer because someone told me how to train dogs. I created Upward Dogology after learning from hundreds of dogs in different situations. I didn't study cognitive behavioral therapy and then apply it. I literally learned it from dogs. And my learning journey is detailed in the first full episode of this podcast. It's getting great reviews, so I'm not going to get into it now, but uh, feel free to listen to that. In the latter part of my career, after writing my technical manual to create the formula or system for upper dogology that I'd learned from dogs, and that, that one I did actually to aid in teaching it to clients. I then began to write the book that I published in 2019. In the combination of working one-on-one -on -one with clients in their homes, that was pre-COVID, public parks, neighborhood stores, off-leash parks, and the combination of doing that and then putting that information into writing, into the book, forced me to really think about what I do and why it is so effective and where the dog world has a block. Clients ask questions. They're the ones applying it. They question everything. They've had trainers. I mean, obviously, some people just grab something off the internet and it doesn't work. But there's a lot of people, most of my clients have had three or four trainers before hiring me and their dog experienced. They know what they're doing and they ask questions and they apply things. And it's important to listen to them. What they say and how they're saying their information is important too. They might say one thing thinking that they're telling me something, but they're actually telling me something different about their dog or something additional. Working with hundreds of clients per year has taught me an incredible amount. 
not only about working with dogs, but how to explain what I do to people and how to adjust it and adapt it based on this feedback. I also perform studies more as a research and then recorded the outcomes of what happened with my clients. And these would tell me a lot. They, they would tell me what they tried before hiring me and what went well and what didn't. And then we would apply upper dogology and see the difference. And also I could explain to them why the technique was unsuccessful for them, which doesn't make the technique wrong or bad. But we learn where the blocks are as we continue to work with the dog and we adapt this. I learned how to explain the concepts differently to different people, which is important as well because everybody learns differently. Season three of this podcast, episode two, three, and four, explains some of the research studies that I did with clients. For example, clients might tell me that their dog never pees on a walk or always takes food out of his bowl before eating it or never barks at dogs when on a walk but does when in the home. This provides information as to the dog's personality, which decides on the direction that we work with the dog. And if that feedback or information changes, such as the dog starts eating out of his bowl or pees on a walk, that information is important as well. It's not just about training the problem in the moment that it's happening. The biggest block in the dog world is too much preaching, too much learning from humans who really haven't applied their advice hands-on into situations and not enough applying it to dogs and then learning how to adapt it based on the dog's response. I often ask my client if their dog knows the reset command. That's commonly stay or wait. And their answer varies. But the important part is how they taught it because that determines the dog's perception of it. And there's no right or wrong. It isn't the information that I'm giving them. It's also the information they're giving back to me. For example, the release command, that's commonly go, okay, free or break. What a dog does after the release command provides important information, especially when addressing anxiety and aggression. And then we can also monitor how that response changes as we work through the program. Of course, if these exercises are only done at a basic level with a treat or a clicker or pats, then they won't really tell us a lot except that the dog knows the basic commands. But when we teach exercises using those commands at a higher level and reach the cognitive side of the brain, what a dog does after that release command can tell us a ton. Dogs never lie and they never do a behavior for no reason. So we need to determine that reason, which is why assessments prior to working with a dog are commonly stupid and useless. A, a barking lunging dog is a barking lunging dog. Once we begin working together, we learn a lot about why, and that determines the direction we go. Somehow the act of learning from dogs and clients as we apply techniques or methods that we have learned, irrelevant of what those are, positive reinforcement training, balance training, even if it's the alpha dominance, it doesn't matter. What we learn as we're applying it seems to have got lost in the mass hysteria of preaching rules and arguing over what is acceptable or not acceptable. We need to learn from clients and dogs, and this is a lost art, or perhaps it never was one. Enjoy your learning journey. For videos on my clients and photos of rescued dogs, follow me on Instagram and Facebook. That's Upward Dogology. My book is available on Amazon and through my publisher, Friesen Press. My website is www.upwarddogology.com, and this is going to be launched as an all-new website soon, hopefully by the time this episode comes out. So please check that out. 
If you enjoyed these episodes, please listen to other ones, share them, provide rating, and write a review. If you have questions on them, please email me at billy at upperdogology.com. Thanks to the Jeff Murdoch Band once again for the great music clips. It's off their album, Outrun the Sunrise. You can find them on Facebook and YouTube. (laughs) 